1: with a gentleman that I have not yet had the privilege of interviewing before, but I'm super excited about him. Now, he's been a guest on Sid Roth. He has quite a testimony. He's a full-time paramedic who's written eight books and goes by the title Praying Medic. He was once an atheist until a divine encounter with Jesus Christ in the bunk of a fire station. Eight years later, God told him that he would begin healing his patients if he would pray for them, and this has led to a ministry of healing and miracles that continues through this day. But believe it or not, not only is he interested in this conversation on physical healing and applying the power of God by faith, he's also having a conversation on trauma, inner brokenness. Folks, we're really going to be getting into it today. David, welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Dan. It is
2: uh, wonderful to be on your show. Uh, I am really excited to see where this conversation is going to go because I think we're going to uncover some really cool things today.
1: Well, first of all, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to talk about healing. We're going to talk about nuts and bolts healing. We're going to talk about what God revealed to you. Then we get on the call just before the program and we start chatting And what do you tell me? But man, Daniel, am I getting really interested in dissociation, in some of this uh, stuff that's been done by the government to people. Um, I'm telling you, folks, I'm so excited right now about talking to the praying medic. This guy, I can already tell, is so on the frequency of what God is doing right now in the earth. And you know what? David, let me, let me just ask you this. Uh, how does someone like you who has begun a journey in the, the ministry of healing and miracles wind up asking questions about dissociation, personality fragments, um, brokenness due to severe trauma? What, what? <laughs> Talk to well, me. Well,
2: yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> as you often say, uh, the rabbit hole is very deep and you wouldn't think the rabbit hole was very deep if you just read the Gospels and look at the healing accounts uh, of Jesus and the disciples on the surface uh, you look at the way Jesus got people healed he put mud in somebody's eye he touched them power went out from him uh, he spoke a word uh, it seemed on the surface as if his healing was very simple and my books that I write about are called divine healing made simple seeing in the spirit made simple so I like to make things simple but what I found is that the foundational building blocks of healing are indeed simple but there are conditions that we need to get healed which are not as simple as they appear. Uh, and for the people who have been in healing for a while and who've operated in healing, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you run up against these people who you, no matter what you do, you can't get them healed. You can pray over them. You can make declarations. You can do deliverance. You can remove demons. You can do everything that we're all trained to do and still these people are not healed. And at that point you have to uh, make some choices about what you're going to do if you're determined to get them healed. Uh, Some people in the healing community have chosen to take the view that uh, all healing is simply just a matter of having enough faith. If somebody's not healed, well, you just need to have more faith uh, and it's that simple for them uh, some of us have gone down another road <clears throat> and we've started to explore other options like what if it's not just an issue of faith uh, what if there's something else that, that needs to be addressed <clears throat> so uh, as we were saying you know, earlier uh, I really love what Steve Harmon is doing uh, Steve's been a friend of mine for a long time and Steve and I kind of went down the same road together. We got, both got into healing about, about the same time. And we both ran into the same roadblocks. We were running into people with bipolar disorder, with uh, schizoaffective disorder, with uh, dissociative identity disorder, um, panic, anxiety, uh, things of that nature, fibromyalgia, uh, and autoimmune diseases, and things of that nature that were just, it didn't matter what you did. You just couldn't get these people healed. Or if they did get healed, they, their symptoms came back. Right. So <clears throat> uh, Steve went down a road where he started experimenting and trying different things. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus led him to try some very unique approaches, some very strange things that he didn't read about in the Bible and he wasn't taught when he went to uh, Bible school. They didn't teach him this stuff. He was learning right from Jesus, learning from the Holy Spirit uh, about the keys to getting people healed. And he and I have talked and I've had some dreams where the Lord has revealed to me some similar things. Uh, I'm heavily dependent upon my dreams for revelation uh, in the realm of healing. I had a very interesting dream the other night. Oh, uh, it, was, it was really helpful.
1: Is, is that something well, that we can hear about?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, I had, my wife and I had been reading an article on the subject of grounding, and I had heard of it, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, the, the, the basic principle is uh, the idea that uh, we know, scientists know, that aging and destruction of the body tissues And many disease processes are caused by uh, free radicals that are running around your body causing damage. And they've been studying for a long time how to reduce the effect of free radicals uh, on your body. And they pretty much have determined that if they could figure out how to reduce the damage done by free radicals, your physical body could live forever. Uh, It's really only the destruction done by free radicals that causes aging, causes deterioration, causes you know, sickness and disease. So <clears throat> we were reading this article uh, written by a doctor named Stephen Sinatra, who did some groundbreaking work years ago on the, the real cause of uh, coronary artery disease. And rather than this narrative that we've been fed for 30 years, which is coronary artery disease is a matter of... Uh, plaque formation caused by high cholesterol. Uh, He put forth the idea and has followed up with a lot of uh, very good doctors and a lot of research that suggests that coronary artery disease is actually an inflammatory process. That when you open up uh, arteries that have been taken from hearts that have closed off, if you scrape off the plaque, underneath you find red, raw, inflamed arteries. And they're... Uh, understanding now is that coronary artery disease is an inflammatory process, and the plaque that is laid down in the arteries is a protective mechanism. The body is actually trying to coat and soothe the inflamed arteries with plaque, and if you uh, remove the process that causes the inflammation, you remove the plaque. Well, I was reading this morning a new study that came out of University of Texas, which has been published in JAMA the Journal of the American Medical Association, they have discovered that GERD, uh, gastric esophageal reflux, is also an inflammatory process. It's not a process caused by excess stomach acid, as has always been suspected, but it's an inflammatory process. And inflammation is being implicated now in a lot of different diseases. Hmm. Uh, more and more, as time goes on, they're starting to think that Alzheimer's, that uh, diabetes, uh, in fact, a lot of the complications that come with diabetes are clearly inflammatory. When you see someone who's been a diabetic for 20, 25 years, and you look at their, um, <clears throat> their feet and legs, usually they're red and swollen, and you can just see raw red inflamed tissues in their legs and feet. It's all inflammatory. Well, inflammation is largely a product of free radicals free radicals running through the body cause the, they cause this inflammatory process so going back to the article I was reading the other day mm-hmm. It's about grounding and the theory that that they have come up with now is that uh, it is uh, through positively and negatively charged uh, Ions running through the body that is the uh, the true cause of um, Why free radicals are causing a problem and what they found is that if you come in contact with the earth for a long enough period of time, your body will naturally absorb negatively charged uh, ions that will neutralize the effect of free radicals. That simply walking barefoot or laying on the ground uh, and coming in contact with the earth on a regular basis will naturally reduce the damage of free radicals. Now, one of the doctors in this article uh, has been treating diabetic patients for a long time. And he found, uh, he was treating 25 patients with uh, peripheral neuropathy, mostly in their feet and legs. He found that all of them, when he he started doing grounding in his his practice, he would basically have these mats or these uh, devices that would wrap around your wrist or arm that would be grounded, and through sh- short sessions of like an hour, uh, people would come into his office. They would do an hour session a week. All of them had their neuropathy removed by do simply by doing grounding. Many of them uh, are no longer taking insulin. Their diabetes has been reversed. That's amazing. Uh, diabetic ulcers on their skin have been completely removed just by the technique of using grounding. So. <clears throat> My wife and I were reading these articles, and I thought, this is crazy. How do we not know this? So that night, the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream, uh, it was revealed to me that many of the diseases that we have are caused by something completely different from what we suspect is the actual cause of them. That was the first part of the dream. Now, I had a, that was a dream I had early in the night. Right before I woke up, I had a second dream. In that dream, I was going around to different people, and I was uh, talking to them about their diseases that they had, and I was helping them understand that the real cause of their disease was not what they thought it was. It was something completely different. So this whole subject of healing... Uh, for me mm-hmm. i as much as I like to take um the concepts that God gives me and put them in simple terms, we have to understand that um there are some very deceptive things going on it, with respect to disease and illness that we don't really understand uh the true causes like we think we do, like just like I said this morning, I'm reading an article published by University of Texas. It says after all this time, they find out that GERD is actually an inflammatory disease and it will probably be removed if people do things like grounding, getting back to getting in contact with the earth and allowing those uh, free radicals to be neutralized. So, uh,
1: it's, it it, it's, uh, it's it's profound.
2: This conversation needs to happen. (laughs) It does. It absolutely does. Um, so I was saying I'm I'm really led by my dreams and mm-hmm. uh, what the Lord has been speaking to me in my dreams over the last couple of years is he's been saying, OK, you got the basics down for physical healing. But now we need to go after things like emotional healing and healing uh, psychological disorders, which <laughs> a lot of people have a difficulty with. And I've had difficulty. So he started giving me dreams, one of which. The the key dream that he gave me years ago, I asked him one night to reveal the key to healing uh, mental illness, and he gave me a very simple dream. In the dream, he said, mental illness is healed through love. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That did not make me happy, (laughs) because... (laughs) because I was expecting some really elaborate, cool, you know, you have to do this and you have to get rid of these spirits and you have to heal all this inner stuff and you have to. And he was like, no, it's, it's love. So I was like, Oh man, you're killing me smalls. So, uh, there, there, there have been other dreams that I've had since then, Mm -hmm. which have revealed what that looks like because it's, It is love that is the greatest force in the universe. Okay. God is love, right? Yep. That's his nature. It's his character. And you and I know that a lot of what people are suffering with in terms of mental illness comes from a lack of people experiencing love. They're experiencing other things. Shame. Guilt. Um terror, fear, but they're not experiencing love. And if they were experiencing love instead of those other things, uh, they wouldn't be in the place that they are right now.
1: Hmm. It's a complex conversation. And I, I just love that you are wanting to go there because this is exactly what we've seen. And as a matter of fact, some people that listen to this podcast know, we see things like the removal, miraculous removal, removal of things like implants, right? So someone has a symptom like ringing in their ears. It's like, what's causing that? Is it a disease? Is it a virus? Is it a bacteria? Nope, none of the above. It's a piece of technology. How does God heal that, though? You know, it's a different conversation. <clears throat> than just praying that a headache evaporate out of a person's body. Um, When a person has autoimmune diseases, many of these are the body attacking itself because of things like self-hatred. Right. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. It's
2: interesting you mentioned ringing in the ears because I have been getting a lot of emails in the last three months where people are saying that they have ringing in their ears and they have had prayer and they've had deliverance and they have had all this stuff and they cannot get rid of this ringing in their ears. And I quite frankly don't have an answer. I do not know why these people aren't healed. You just explained something that I had never considered before is an implant.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, (laughs)
2: Well, I I shouldn't say that I've never considered them. I'll I'll say this. I have, like, Steve Harmon, Mm -hmm. and uh, I have a friend, Matt Evans. They uh, see things in the spirit very acutely, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and uh, they often see demonic devices that have been attached to people. So when you talk about implants, I'm not sure. I mean, I kind of know what you're talking about a little bit, but these people often see, like, metal bands that have been put around someone's head, And the person feels this squeezing pressure on their skull, and it has no apparent physical... uh, They go to have tests, CAT scans, nothing ever comes back. And then uh, one of these guys will be praying for them and see this metal band around their head, and Mm -hmm. they'll just like tell an angel to cut that thing off, or they'll make a prophetic act of cutting the band off. And the person's headache goes away.
0: This Um, is
1: so... True, And for those of you that are listening, you know, let me explain what I'm talking about because we've dealt with this and have seen a whole list of things lending to implants. We've seen liquid crystal implants. We've seen uh, torture implants. We've seen dental implants. We've seen RFID chip type implants. There's also nanotech implants, which you can't see with the physical eye because it's, it's so small. It's that's why it's called nanotech. Um, and and all of this is implicated in some of the conversation on healing. Some of it's done by government projects. Others of it is done by stuff that people really have a hard time branching off into, and that would include the concept of you know UFO abductions and what happens when this kind of activity is occurring and all that. People come back with the problems, and we're seeing the problems being alleviated. We've seen implants that are both spiritual and physical. And that's the, the, like, what you're saying is absolutely true. There are those types of demonic attachments that we see that just are removed in the spirit by the spirit. Then there are physical ones that are removed by spiritual power imposed upon the natural, lending to manifestation of actual things coming out of the body. And uh, we have evidence of both, uh, realistically. And so... I mean, this is, um, yeah, we've seen well, it. Well, when you talk about,
2: uh, UFO abductions and alien abductions, um, years ago,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I got interested in that subject a little bit. I, I've always been kind of a skeptic because I, I was an atheist as an adult and I was always skeptical about the supernatural and the paranormal. Um, but I ran into a series of testimonies that were recorded, uh, about, posted on YouTube, of um, these. I think the first one I ran into was a, a testimony that was recorded by four different people who experienced an alien abduction when they were children, and these they grew up and they grew apart and they went to different, lived in different cities and had never talked about. Their entire time, even as children, they never talked about the alien abduction. They were too afraid to have any conversations about it, so they never talked about it. But as adults years later, they got together, uh, and they were interviewed, and they were asked to recount what happened, and all of them recounted essentially the same story. That they were uh, abducted, taken into uh, some kind of a spacecraft. There were these, you know, gray beings that did surgery on them. And the whole issue of doing surgery on people in the when they're abducted, to me, is very interesting because uh, I'm finding a common thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been listening to these YouTube videos by a woman who has dealt with uh, satanic ritual abuse survivors for probably over a decade, and she talks about magic surgery, which is uh, one of the things that they do in satanic ritual abuse. They do what they call magic surgery, and they uh, perform, it's essentially, it's, uh, it's a mind trick that they use to make the person think. They're implanting something in their body, something like a, a castle or a city or some structure inside of them. And during the during the rituals, they, you know, of course, uh, induce uh, emotional trauma. And then the altars and fragments end up living in this castle or the city that has been created or superimposed them during the magic surgery. And I, I keep running into these stories where people are having these surgeries, having these implants, and I think, you know, what the heck is going on here? And I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on, on that.
1: <laughs> the interviewer gets interviewed. <laughs> yes. Well, hey, come on, man. Turn about well, the fair Well, and this is – it's just really interesting <clears throat> because – um, when we, we get into the conversation on dissociation and we begin to d- talk about working with people that have survived things like satanic ritual abuse, what is very common, it's a common thread in the conversation, is the subject of inner worlds. right? And the inner worlds essentially play out like labyrinths and they have houses and there'll be castles, there'll be dungeons. I've run into airports, I've run into uh, libraries, hall of records, uh, they have... Uh, carousels they have Ferris wheel. I mean, you just name it, and and it's not just the satanic ritual abuse side because they use the same strategies in government-sponsored mind control projects, spinoffs and, of.
2: And at this point, I'd like to, uh, for listeners who are not familiar with uh, the government mind control projects, just Google uh, MK Ultra. It's just capital M, capital K, Ultra, and do some research, and you'll find that for years. The U.S. government and actually the Canadian government uh, were involved in some well-known, well-publicized, well-researched mind control projects during the '50s and '60s, and then into the '70s. So this is what we're talking about. We're not. This is not conspiracy theory. This is very well-documented stuff that's been going on. So go ahead.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, and and really, MK Ultra, as I understand it, was almost a cover for Project Artichoke, which was some some really deep stuff. And and while they stopped what was known as MK Ultra, uh, projects continued under various black budget uh, uh, s- projects, um, and it, it never really stopped. I mean, it's still going on today, and it, it's it, it's the idea though that if you are able to plant these uh, inner worlds into a person you can organize the fragments um, in, into essentially a, it's like a prison world because a person gets trapped in their own mind and by mind what we understand that to be is the subconscious realm of the human mind that's where the altars or the fragments happen to live and and um, there seems to be a huge degree of interplay between what is known as the subconscious, which I personally relate to the biblical revelation of the heart, and the spirit realm, which is also attributed to the human spirit. So when you get into the conversation on these inner worlds and, and what's going on there, spiritual principles can build up or tear down or rework whatever is existing in that Inner world, so it, and, and I deal with this all the time. So if I go in somewhere and there's like a d- giant prison on the inside of a person, the you know the, the, the there will usually be guards, like demonic guards. You bind the guards, and then you open the prison doors with the word of God. It says Isaiah 61, He came to open the prison doors to them which are bound. Suddenly, everyone that's been trapped in that prison um, is set free, and you can say you know something like, "Well, I." command that prison to become a ruinous heap. And, you know, taking judgment words out of the Bible, the whole prison complex can collapse in the person's subconscious, which has an interplay with the spirit realm because a person is spiritually getting set free in a process of a session like this. But if that prison is some kind of sickness or disease or some kind of affliction designed to keep them in bondage, in the natural, there can be deliverance, um, by the resolution of things going on deep within the subconscious. So we've seen autoimmune diseases begin to not become a problem in a person as inner healing begins to take place. Deconstruction of inner worlds is often part of the process.
2: So you, you deconstruct the inner world, and that's necessary because the inner world is essentially a fabrication of the enemy, Yes. <laughs> I mean, in, in simple terms. Yes. For, for listeners who are trying to figure out what in the world these crazy guys are talking about.
1: We're, we're, we're being crazy now, brother.
2: Um, so because I've, I've recently I think this week I was talking to a woman who was uh, telling me about finding something like one of her soul children in a prison and she didn't know how to get it out. And I was like, okay, well, it sounds to me like you've found one of those inner structures, an inner world. And I remember uh, Ana Mendez Farrell mm-hmm. in Regions of Captivity uh, talked about, you know, the fact that in these inner worlds, the the prisons and the dungeons and the castles, there are often guards, uh, demonic guards, that are guarding the uh, the torture chambers and the places. She talked about. Um, Sometimes taking angels with her to have the angels deal with the guards and have them open the doors Mm -hmm. Um, Or sometimes having Jesus uh, unlock the door and giving the 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 prisoner that they find to Jesus to heal them or or minister to them in some way Um, But in your experience, it sounds like you're more about freeing the prisoners and then uh, destroying the structure
1: I, I do destroy the structures, and, and um, it, the, con- the conversation goes really deep. I feel, really feel like the tables have been turned on me, folks, because now I'm sitting here like I am totally getting interviewed by my guest. Um, and what we've seen is that the prisons and the structures, some of them exist within the person and in their own subconscious. Some of them exist outside of the person in other locations in the spirit realm, otherwise known right, as heavenly right. places. And,
2: and that is an interesting thing to... You have to make a distinction. Mm-hmm. Because like, like you said, it seems like some of the structures are internal to the individual. They're in their mind, in their soul, or in their heart. And then some of them are actual structures in the spiritual world. Right. So and those... Go ahead.
1: Let me let me let me share a brief story here at this point to, to give people an idea of just how ridiculous this stuff can get. Okay. So I'm I'm helping a person the other day, and um their their spirit has actually been fractured. And right. so you know there's fragmentation of the soul, and there is also the ability to fragment the spirit.
2: A, a lot of people are not familiar with uh, trauma to the spirit, but Steve Harmon shared a story with me about somebody who had gone through a a really ridiculous satanic ritual that actually fractured their spirit, uh, and I, that's that's something that is not often talked about. So I'm interested in hearing what you what your insights are on that.
1: Well, the Bible says in Psalm 51:17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These the Lord will not despise. The word broken for broken spirit is the Hebrew word Shabar, which means to literally break in pieces or shatter.
2: That's interesting because Bethel's uh, emotional healing, their top level healing course is called Shabar, I think. Wow.
1: Yeah, broken.
2: Huh. Interesting. So, you were working with this person who had a fragmented spirit. It's
1: essentially, yes. Okay. And what we did was we found that a piece of their spirit had been encased in this prism. It was like a, it looked like a prism, and it was like we could see, the person could see that portion of their spirit. Crying out for help, but they couldn't be heard because um, there was no way for sound to escape the prism. And so there it was, and I said, Okay. Now, one of the like you learn a lot of weird terms when you begin to deal with the spirit, like booby-traps. Everything gets booby-trapped. Right. So if you go to deal with something, like like uh, you know, let's say you're praying for someone and they have um like carpet tunnel but it's a demonically induced carpet tunnel and you begin to pray that the you know the demon would be cast out that's causing the carpet tunnel well they'll attach the carpet tunnel to a booby trap that will create um nausea say I'm just making something up right now so that as soon as you begin to engage the demon but the booby traps going off the person is then triggered into nausea which is totally unrelated in any kind of logic but now you have two problems on your hands and you have no idea what's going okay. on
2: okay stop 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 hold the phone Oh, so all right so this is something else uh and i wanted to bring this up in my reading and exploring the inner worlds uh and the castles and the dungeons booby traps often come up and many times the fragments and altars are aware Of their demonic guards, and they're aware of the booby traps. And I have, it's been my understanding that sometimes the altars and fragments will not go along with your plan to bring them freedom or to bring them out of the prisons because they know if I touch that door, there's a booby trap. And so, one of the things that Steve Harmon has told me quite a bit is the difficulty, oftentimes, in dealing with fragments and alters and even the core of the person's uh personality is reluctance to cooperate with the healing protocol you're trying to use because they're either fearful of what the demons are going to do or the booby traps or um or they're just not motivated really to do what you want to do uh so you're saying that the booby traps this is something that I have not had any discussions with people about is that the booby traps themselves actually will inflict some other type of illness symptom that now the person has to deal with and this is so interesting because many times when I am praying with people to be healed their headache will turn into nausea or back pain or indigestion or some other thing and I'm like why I, I I sense that it's a spirit doing something, mm-hmm. but I can't explain why it's turning yeah. into something else. And mm-hmm. then the person gets freaked out, mm-hmm. and they think you better stop praying because it's, I'm getting worse now. I only had a headache, and now I have headache and nausea.
1: The devil is very smart, and when he is able to implant booby traps the person that does not know what they're doing or just trying to step out in faith a little bit and gets a little bit of success who runs into the booby trap will immediately be discouraged thinking that their prayer was ineffective or be blamed for the person's additional symptoms and get called a witch or a warlock or some kind of infiltrator in the church because their prayers cause additional problems. See, the devil sets people up for failure, knowing that people will in genuine desire to follow Jesus, try to pray for healing, try to pray for deliverance and breakthrough. And he's so many steps ahead of the body of Christ that he has literally set traps for Christians. to get deceived by and then what they do is they walk away with their tail between their legs and say I guess I was never meant to minister healing they just got hit by a booby trap
2: oh my gosh I'm telling you I I have so many friends who they write me and go man I don't think this is for me Uh, you know like I prayed I tried praying for my wife or I tried praying for my husband or and they seem to get worse every time I pray for them and I'm like okay well why don't you try praying for something a little simpler like find somebody who's got uh, you know a sprained finger or, or knee problem <laughs> But it's it's discouraging for a lot of people because they do seem to run into these situations where you pray and their old oh, person's only getting worse, and then they think what am I doing? Why are they getting worse? And then they get discouraged, and they don't want to pray at all then they're like I, I don't have the gift of healing This is for other people but that explains to me anyway that explains the results a lot of people have which are are not good And i mean this
1: is still we're still in simple stuff because you know when we get to the idea of portaling other realms through portions of the body like the spleen or liver you really do we get
2: to talk about portals i i am so gonna love this
1: (laughs) you know what we are gonna talk about portals in a minute but folks before we get to portals i need to finish my story finish your story (laughs) stop getting distracted i know what is my problem Goodness gracious. I, I I take full accountability here, folks. This is my program, and we're like all over the place. But this is what I was saying. So we're going after a portion of this person's spirit, and we find it in a prism. So I say, because I, I know what I'm doing, I say I disarm all the booby traps. Like before I even get started, I will just speak it. Because once it's spoken, it's it's done. And, and I also do this other thing that I I really can't get into uh, too much on this program, but it has to do with, um, using something called a realm, but it's really an archie. But anyway, uh, I, I will essentially take dominion over whatever battlefield I happen to be on and, and recharacterize it with the power of God before I go in. And so anyway i had already done that and there i was and i disarmed all the booby traps and then uh the the, the prism shifted and changed and so it, it's really pretty well you know put together and what i did was i spoke that a door would be opened inside of the prism and that that it would essentially be like stepping through a portal so that the part of that person's spirit could be removed from the prism. But as I opened the door, then there was a giant demon that was in the prism to torment and persecute that part of the person's spirit in the prism because it was a torture chamber. In addition to that, they also had elements that belonged to the person's gift sets, uh, representations of things that they were good at literally sitting in that prism with the portion of the person's spirit so it was just a total hijacking and so i dealt with the demon uh he got his face beat in and then uh we got an angel to carry the person's spirit portion out and ministered to the spirit portion at that time and then we took everything else out well then god backed the person's view out and they saw in the spirit which wasn't really the spirit because it was actually outer space. <laughs> and I don't know where in outer space this was, but it was you know somewhere in a universe, um, a giant craft. And they saw tens or hundreds of thousands of these prisms attached to that craft. And it was being piloted by all various kinds of Entities. So we're still in the conversation on getting people set free, but now we've brought into this conversation the idea of craft, back to the idea of UFOs, people getting abducted, experiments, prisons in the heavens. We are looking at hundreds of thousands of people trapped on this craft, spirit portions that have been secreted into this thing. Hmm. So what do you do when you have a giant craft and hundreds of thousands? Well, you know what I do?
2: (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on. I can ask you a question. Yeah. So going back to the prism, you spoke into existence a door. Yes. Okay. This is something a lot of people don't understand about the spiritual world. Uh, And this is something that Steve Harmon has taught me. Uh, Thank you, Steve. You're awesome. I love you, brother. Um, When Steve has been working with uh, fragments and altars, Jesus has frequently told him to speak something into existence. So when he wants to disciple some fragment or altar, Jesus will say, speak a book into existence that this person can read about me. So Steve will speak it into existence and there will be a book and the person, the fragment or altar, can read the book. People don't understand and they don't want to believe that in the spiritual realm our words have creative power that unlike in the natural world where you can't simply make a Jeep appear in your driveway by speaking it into existence <laughs> in the spiritual world what you speak comes to pass so you spoke into existence a door and the, that became the exit for this the spirit uh, fragment this is uh, true. It, it's... You you're using you're using the power of your words to and and people don't understand. This is exactly what witches and warlocks do. So I, I hate to say this, but it's true that many times, very experienced, knowledgeable witches and warlocks know more about the power of our words and the power of the spiritual world than we do, because. Uh, I have been looking at and thinking about uh, how sometimes our prayers uh, become almost borderline witchcraft prayers. Because many times what we're doing with our prayers is we're trying to subvert the will of another person to line up with our will. Particularly in marriages and relationships for some reason. A lot of Christians want to pray that and I get these prayer requests. Would you pray that uh, you know this relative of mine would find a better husband, a better wife, someone who t- treats them better? And essentially they're asking me to pray that this person would get divorced and find somebody else? So what I've been concerned about is a lot of times our prayers end up becoming I, I, something like, I want to control the will of this person. And make them fall in love with somebody else or make them despise somebody else or leave a relationship because I don't think that person is in the right relationship. So what witches and warlocks do when they're casting spells and curses on people is they visualize in their mind what they want to happen. They're using their imagination. They're visualizing in their mind what they want to pass, what their will is for that situation. And they speak. Speak it into existence. And sometimes they have little things like they will take, they'll use um, voodoo dolls or replicas of the person or they'll take animal parts that represent what they want to do and then they'll put them on the person's property, put, make sure it gets into their house somehow so it increases the power. But essentially what they're doing is they're speaking into existence uh, what they want to happen. And they have figured out that there is power in the spiritual world when we speak into existence something. And you're—that's exactly what you're doing. And m- most Christians, ninety-five percent of them, have no idea that what you speak into existence in the spiritual world becomes a reality. Many times, not all the time, but if it's if it's in line with what God wants you to do, you know, uh, use. Now, now I, I, I can guarantee I'd tell you what you're going to do with those prisms that are attached to that spacecraft. See, you already said, when you run into uh, a world or a place in the spiritual world that is not advantageous to you, you're going to change it. You're going to speak something to change the circumstance.
1: Oh. Right? Oh. Well, and, and you know the funny thing that people do? So See, the Bible will say— um, In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, right? So we say, everywhere I go is a shut door and a dead end. <laughs> okay. So what did you just speak into your spiritual environment? Shut doors and dead a shut ends. Shut door and a dead end. You come just,
2: on. You just spoke into existence what you didn't want to have happen. So
1: the Bible says that, you know, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I could go through every promise in the word of God and, and find something that somebody says that's contradictory to that and show you how Christians literally spend not just their, you know, daily lives speaking themselves into a pit, their prayer times. because their prayer time is complaining about this, complaining about that, and complaining about the other thing. Right? But God said, Um, You know, blessed be his angels who excel in strength, who perform his word, who hearken unto the voice of his word. God's angels, the ones on assignment with us to fulfill the will and purpose of God's kingdom, are looking for the word of God in our mouths to fulfill it and establish it in the spirit realm. Exactly.
2: Exactly. They are waiting for us to speak uh, God's will for our lives and our situations into existence so they can make it happen.
1: Look at that. Um. So what what essentially happened is once I got that spirit out, then what I had was a witness. Um. And so whenever I'm going to move into what I call large scale judgments, um, which is part of my personal ministry, it's actually I've it's as strange as it sounds, it's like a ministry of justice and judgment. But I I leverage it into the heavens, and so I have a witness, which is that part that suffered affliction as a result of what was being done there and so i can take their testimony that's evidence in the courts of heaven before the father Uh this needs to be addressed and therefore then i move into judge and
2: now here's here's i'm sorry but i I, for people who are not familiar with this i i would like to because i've gone into the courts of heaven and i've done some work there uh not a lot but some and I find it very interesting that you can, you can have a lot of different entities uh, testify on your behalf or testify on behalf of the person you're representing. You can have the blood testify. You can have the angels testify. Now you can have a witness, a person who is a witness to an event. They can be called to testify too. Why not? Okay. <laughs> Good teaching point. So if you're listening, taking notes, write this down.
1: <laughs> so so th- this is how you leverage large scale judgment, right? So I have the witness testimony. Now I begin to speak. And I'm not saying, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's hard for me when I get into this conversation to say, well, this is what, you know, anyone can do. And this is what you have to graduate into. This is what has to be given to you. Um, because I have been through a lot of spiritual graduations, a lot of Maturation. I've, I've been walking with the Lord. Um, he's given me permission to do certain things. I don't you Your know. Your actual
2: mileage may vary. Your and actual think, mileage
1: may vary, folks. So, you know, be led by the Spirit of the right. Lord. Don't be, just be do. Because it's going to look
2: different for everyone. Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. People, I'm reluctant to give people suggestions
2: about how to approach uh, certain things and how to, how to present their case in court because it's going to be different for each person. The adversary is going to be different uh, what you're going to see when you get into this, depending on what court you go into, there are different courts. Um, it's going to be different and you have to really be led by the spirit in that, in that situation.
1: Um, long story short, we destroyed the entire craft and everyone got set free. So you,
2: how did you destroy the craft?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Right. Details. Right. We want the details. You know, it was so cool. Um, Uh, well, I, I basically begin to speak according to mechanics. I detail the process by which, um, the parts of people are going to be released from the, the prisms. And as I go through the mechanics of what needs to take place in the spirit with my words, um, all the pods begin to explode and, all of the parts that are in them begin to be taken and portaled into. And I usually do this thing where I'll send them for processing to the third heaven because processing means um, you you can have any kind of thing when you deliver captives. You, you can have, uh, you know, pieces of people that have been demonized so so it's like human demon combo they need to actually be severed what is demonic needs to be dealt away and and what is human needs to be healed Um, you you have soul fragments you have spirit fragments you have all kinds of. sometimes even in the spirit they'll attach machines or synthetic components to human parts it's really really bizarre and so if I don't have time to minister one by one what I will do is send them to third heavenly places for processing because there are angels that know how to do this. And um, I, I, I just, you know, you, you don't have time to deal with 100,000 things. And so I I do that and they know how to get them there. Uh, the interesting thing was, and, uh, the person I was working with saw this very clearly. There were these special angels that went on assignment with this one. And these angels were like dive bombers. They had very, very tough heads. <laughs> like... Uh, I, I don't even know. I, like It was just being described to me like, like these large and very, I mean, hard, just brutal battering ram type heads. And they had their wings tucked so that they like came down with maximum velocity and began to Swiss cheese the craft.
2: Wow. Interesting. Yes. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. That is very interesting. So all the pods are exploding. All of the uh, the craft is getting swiss cheese by all these angels, and I'm going off. You know, I'm just commanding this and speaking that. And you know, when I do warfare like this, how do I do it? I, well, I have countless scriptures memorized. And I just go off. I know spiritual weapons. I just go off, and I'm like laying, just, just laying it out there. You know, uh, you know what do spiritual weapons look like? Well, Psalm eighteen. You have. Arrows of God. You have hailstones, coals of fire. You have um, uh, you have living water. You have anointing oil. You have the blood of Jesus. You have the sword of the Spirit. You have um, even glory, light. Light itself is a weapon in God's kingdom because the, the the darkness cannot even. Understand or comprehend it. There's so many different elements of revelation applied to become spiritual weapons. And so I go off and I'm, you know, quoting scripture and this and that, and all of this is happening in response to that. Um, it, it, well, after enough damage takes place, that the entire thing is just done for. And um, a, a whole bunch of demons try to escape, but essentially I... <laughs> Speak a prison I put them all in the prison In, in Jesus name And, and chuck that you off You spoke into the abyss. a prison
2: into existence I okay, did this is, I, I this spoke is, a
1: prison into existence
2: This is what Steve Harmon does Now this is going to freak a lot of people out But you know You just have to get over yourself um, Steve speaks a lot of torture devices into existence <laughs> In the spiritual world to torment demons <laughs> He puts them in prison he, When he's interrogating them He will torture them um, he wrote a facebook post not long ago mm-hmm. uh, gosh it was it probably was long ago it was a couple of years ago called uh, the what was it called it was called the increasing problem of demon abuse oh my and he was basically teaching on the fact that uh, Jesus permitted him to interrogate and torture demons look i'll say this and i'll tell you what well, uh-huh. it pissed a lot of people off because they're like how could you do that but you know here's here's the reality you're in war we're, we're warriors we're soldiers and i'm not going to say all is fair in love and war but i will say that i absolutely adamantly believe that if we do not take the battle to the enemy the enemy is going
1: to own us let, let me let me say this when the Gadarene demoniac came to Jesus, he said, have you come to torment us before the time? Exactly. Well, Jesus said, yeah, I'll let you go into the pigs. But, you know, when I show up, I said, yeah, yeah, I did come to torment you before the time. Thanks for asking. Well, um, what's and implied <laughs> there, what's implied there is these <laughs> stupid demons knew that
2: Jesus was going to torment them. Okay. And they're asking, are you com- have you come to torment us before our time? Like, are we going to get tormented now or are you going to wait a little while?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, (laughs) they they live in great fear of real believers, people that walk in the power of Jesus Christ who had the power to torment them before the time. You could torment any kind of thing.
2: Well, you start tormenting demons. I mean, what are demons doing to us? They're tormenting us. You start tormenting them back and word gets out and they start talking and they're like... That one you do not want to mess with because he tortured a couple of my buddies. And, yeah, you want to stay away from that one.
1: I so, am building a collection of prisons in the abyss right now. <laughs> I I even put notes on the prisons with my name on them. Sticky notes? Things well, <laughs> <it's> more like <laughs> signs because they're usually on fire by the time they arrive. So, you know, I, I, people are always shocked because a sign actually appears on the prison. They could see it. Right. There's a sign on there!
2: <laughs> when well, you name. speak it into existence, exactly. it, it's there. It's a reality. They can see it, even if no one else can. You know, and so I'm going to recap what happened with Dan for for the listeners at home. Dan was given an assignment. He was shown something. Now, I'm assuming that was this was all sort of, you saw this all through visual impressions in your mind.
1: We're talking moving in the prophetic and the discerning of spirits. Yes, okay. of the Holy Spirit. Right. But
2: as far as uh, you're seeing these things, are you seeing these as structures and places external to you? Or are these as things that you see in, in your mind's eye?
1: Um, great question. Uh, but
2: not that it matters, because I don't believe it really matters all that much, but just for people who are curious at home.
1: Typically, what happens when I'm working with people is that the people I'm working with can see a lot better than I see. Oh, okay. So what I do is I move off of promptings because I'm very good at flowing with the Holy Spirit, who will give me exactly what I need to say. I'm very good at partnering with my own spirit, who is in the spirit realm, even though I don't have a full picture, I am able to leverage my authority. And my relationship with God into a very effective ministry that um, deals huge damage. But when I'm working with someone like that, they will see like a movie many times exactly what's happening. And then they'll come back and they'll be able to say, Daniel, while you were speaking, this happened, this happened, this happened, this. And it's as clear as day. Okay, and that's
2: cool, because I, I experience the same thing I know Steve does, too. He relies a lot on what the person, the fragment, the altar is seeing at that time. So what he did was he found a fragment of a spirit that was trapped in a prison, and he, he freed that spiritual fragment, and then the Lord showed him a larger assignment. And said, now that you had victory in this small area, let's go large scale, which is how you described the large scale thing. The Holy Spirit was saying, good, now you got this. Let's go after something bigger. So for people at home who are listening, expect at times that if you get something down pat and you understand it, expect that the Lord is going to show you something even bigger, similar but bigger, so that you can go and do
1: something a little more large scale. Now you had gotten really excited when I mentioned the word portals.
2: I, I I I did, because well, we need to know about this stuff.
1: Okay, talk to me about it, man. What 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 has God shown you?
2: Well, oh gosh, um, oh man, I I I have very limited understanding of portals. Uh, most of my understanding is is actually. Things that other people have told me. Like when I was living in Washington State, we had this house. And we would occasionally host gatherings and people would come over. We'd, we'd worship and uh, barbecue ribs on the grill and, and just get together, hang out, prophesy and, uh, and whatnot. And inevitably, somebody who had not been in my house before would come over to me and say, so how long have you had that portal uh, there in your living room, right up
1: <laughs> Oh my!
2: And I'd be like, "Yeah, I don't exactly know how long that's been there. I did not see it, but numerous other people would walk into my house, be there for a while, and go. So, what do you, you guys use that portal for? Um, uh, now, I, I'll, I'll hear. Okay, so here's a dream that I had. I was on. Oh, I was on vacation, or was I traveling? No, it was when I went to Washington. It was a year and a half ago, two years ago. I went back to Washington. I'd been living in Arizona for five years now. I went back to Washington, and I was doing a thing called The Gathering with Steve Harmon. He was my secret special guest. We went up there, and we had some meetings in a hotel. And uh, we were talking about traveling in the spirit, uh, seeing in the spirit, emotional healing, We got a bunch of people uh, who had dissociative identity disorder. We were working with them, getting them some healing. And while I was there in the hotel for a week, um, I wasn't having dreams. And I'm a pretty regular dreamer, and it was bugging me that uh, I wasn't having dreams. So I was laying there on the bed one afternoon, and the Holy Spirit said, well, why don't you speak a portal into existence? So I thought... Oh, that's a good idea so I spoke a portal into existence in the middle of the hotel room of our hotel room right above my bed I just said in the name of Jesus I establish a portal of revelation right into this room goes straight through to the throne room of heaven through which revelation is going to pass and angels are going to pass and and that basically was just what I did I just spoke this thing into existence well that night I had my first dream Uh, Since I had been in that hotel and in the dream, I could see the effects of people's prayers into the far distant future. Like I saw all these different friends of mine who had been praying and the Lord showed me the effects of their prayers five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road. He actually showed me how their prayers were going to come to pass. Uh, I had dreams all night long. That was just one of the dreams that I had. And revelation was coming through and I sensed angels were coming through and it was just so cool. So uh, I don't have a ton of experience with portals, but I have an insane amount of curiosity to know more about them.
1: My, my, my. So you were led to speak a portal into existence And, and what you are doing then is interfacing with the spirit from the natural with your words right And oh man so what's what's your experience
2: <laughs> come on oh, give gosh. it
1: up well, I mean I actually did two podcasts back to back I called it portals part one portals part two I don't know if you know this um, but I wrote I, a book I
2: saw them I haven't listened to them yet but I'm going to oh well, praise God you
1: know I, I wrote a book folks and those of you that listen to this program called higher dimensions parallel dimensions in the spirit realm and I spend three chapters talking about portals well, i will
2: i'll put links to the books in the podcast notes for people who want to check out the books
1: and and for everyone that's that's listening that's like who really is interviewing who here um i, <laughs> I think that what's happening is that uh we are both using this same recording on our podcasts
2: right whenever you have a podcaster interviewing another podcaster both people get interviewed. Unfortunately, or fortunately, as the case may be, because you have questions and I have questions, so you know. Amen. I think it's all good.
1: Why not have a conversation? Right. The Bible has a conversation on all kinds of different portals, and and what a portal is in in my study is a doorway, a gateway, or an entrance. That's really all it is. You know, you could call the entrance to a castle that giant door, a portal Um, in the spirit. A portal is a means by which you open a door from one realm or plane or dimension to another.
2: So in Revelation chapter four, when uh, John said, I saw a door before me and the voice said, you know, I've I've put a set of door, open door before you come up here. That was a portal.
1: Come on now in in the in the gospels jesus says i am the door the portal and they will come in and out and find pasture through jesus we have access to the father and the heavenly sphere as believers and we go in and out as citizens in heaven right um
2: okay that should be normal christianity i think oh, going into well, you know, Jesus said, the son of man who is in heaven, he was talking to his disciples and he said, look, I am here on earth and I am in heaven at the same time. I go to and fro. I go back and forth. How did Jesus see what the father was doing? He said the son only does what he sees the father doing. How did he see what the father was doing? He had access to the throne room. He was watching what the father was doing. Now, my... we, need, we need to do the same thing. We need to know what the father is doing. And we do that by accessing heaven through the portals.
1: Now, how were you an atheist?
2: <laughs> Dude, I was a, a born-again atheist. I hated Christians. I didn't even have any interest in spirituality at all. Um, it, there, was, there was a short time in the early 90s. And let me correct that. There was a short time in the early 90s for about a year where I was kind of interested, not in New Age philosophy or experiences, but music. I liked the music. I, got, I was listening to National Public Radio, and I got, uh, I kind of liked some of the New Age music. Uh, my, my wife, actually, was following some of the teachings, Deepak uh, Chopra and different people, but I never really got into the New Age philosophy. I just thought the music was cool. It was relaxing. And I helped, uh, I actually DJed, a uh, New Age music program, briefly, uh, for about five or six months. This is like in 91 or 92. That's really the only uh, spiritual interest I ever had prior to the time I was 38. I had just been uh, really disinterested in anything spiritual, religious. I had no interest. I had an, actually an animosity and a hatred for it. Uh, that's and and my my conversion was pretty radical. Uh, I I became kind of a Pharisee at first, but then over the last eight years, the Lord has softened my heart and helped me become more of a spiritual seeker, more than a religious uh, nut. So that's kind of the short
1: <laughs> short story. I, I mean, because you don't talk like a religious person here.
2: Oh my gosh, if you met me 10 years ago, yeah, yeah, it was not good.
1: It wasn't good?
2: Not good. No, I was very judgmental wow. and very uh, religious and very close-minded.
1: How did God transition you out of that mindset?
2: Lots and lots of dreams. Um, he really has, like, I have a stack of note cards on my nightstand that I've been saving since 2008, 2008 when I started having dreams, I've had over 400 dreams just about the subject of healing. Uh, and hundreds and hundreds of other dreams about other things. Uh, just spiritual revelation, um, his his heart for his people. Um, the dreams as I've meditated on them have really given me a better and a radically different understanding of his heart for people. Uh, that, destroyed the religious, judgmental um, stuff that I got filled up with the first seven years after I got saved. (laughs) It was a a process of
1: deconstruction. Wow. You know, one of the um, things in the Bible shows up in uh, Deuteronomy. It it says in Deuteronomy 13.1, if a prophet arises among you... Or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or a wonder. I actually think that dreamer of dreams can be viewed as an office. Huh. That's interesting. I'd never thought about that. Now, because I'm thinking, I'm hearing you talk and I'm like, this is a different kind of ministry. Everyone has dreams, but man, God deals with you, brother. I never had a
2: dream for 25 years. After I got to be about 20 or 21 years old, Mm -hmm. I've never had a dream after that until I was uh, 46 or 47 years old. I had the first dream I'd had in like 25 years. And then that's the dream where uh, the Lord appeared to me and said, "Um, I'm going to show you what's wrong with your patients. And if you pray with them, I'll heal them. And that was that was essentially my commissioning. Uh, where, you know, you read in Jeremiah 1 where the Lord commissioned Jeremiah and showed him the vision of the, the boiling kettle yeah. and all that. That's kind of what he did with me. He, he said, look, this is going to be my commissioning. I'm going to show you what's wrong with people who are sick and I want you to heal them. And it's been a crazy ride since then.
1: Now, we've been talking about all kinds of stuff off the wall. I, now, I do need to, I need to let you give it some testimonies about the, that part of your journey, just being led to minister healing because of revelation coming through dreams. And, you know, it, 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 I think this is really cool because some people are not really aware of how God can teach and train them in dreams. Um, can you give us a few anecdotes of how that played out?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I have had a lot of fun with, uh, with the, the Ministry of Healing, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Uh-huh. Um, I have been able to pray with a lot of people in the ambulance. Um, and, and I'll share a few testimonies. Um, so when I was working in Tacoma, I did a lot, and I still do, a lot of uh, inter-facility transfers. So I transfer people from one hospital to another who are having uh, procedures, surgery. Um, that they don't have at a smaller hospital, we transfer them to a larger hospital. Uh, one call I went on in particular, and this was an interesting weekend, actually. Um, I prayed with a 95 or 96-year-old woman who was in the ICU at uh, Good Samaritan Hospital in Puyallup. She was going over to St. Joe's Hospital. Yeah. St. Joe's, in Tacoma for a pacemaker implant. She had a long run of, basically, she flatlined in the middle of the night in the ICU, and, the, and it recorded it, and she was having long pauses in her heartbeat, so they were going to have her go to the hospital to get a pacemaker put in. So we were transporting her, and uh, I was uh, getting some vital signs, and as I went to put the blood pressure cuff on her arm, She said, oh, Sonny, please be careful with my arm. I have a a frozen shoulder. So I was very gentle, and I I got the blood pressure cuff on her arm without moving her shoulder around too much. And then I asked her if I could pray for her, and she said, oh, that'd be great. So uh, this is her left shoulder. So I'm praying over her left shoulder. I'm just commanding it to be healed, and uh, she doesn't feel anything. So I took three, three shots at it and nothing, no changes at all. She, it was still stiff. She couldn't move it. Didn't feel any heat or tingling. And I was kind of disappointed because I really thought she was going to get healed. I, I, I just felt like I had prayed with a lot of people for heal, healing of shoulders and had seen a lot of success. And I was really confused as to why her shoulder wasn't healed. So uh, we're continuing the transport. And a couple of minutes before we get to the hospital, All of a sudden, she raises her right arm up in the air and she starts swinging it around like a windmill in a circle. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, what are you doing? I prayed over her left shoulder and she's swinging her right arm around. And I said, ma'am, hang on a minute. I said, what? I'm confused. I thought you said you had a frozen left shoulder. And she said, "Sonny, I have two frozen shoulders. I couldn't move either one of them, and I'm right-handed. And this is the arm that I need. I don't care about this other one. Praise God, I'm healed." So, she got healing of the opposite shoulder of the one I prayed for. <laughs> um, that same weekend, I prayed for a 95-year-old woman who had uh, arthritis in her knee. She couldn't. She. It was too painful for her really to stand on. So I prayed over that knee, and her knee got completely healed. Um, So I saw a 95- and a 96-year-old woman get healed in the same weekend. Uh, I have, uh, when I moved down here to Arizona, uh, prayed for some people, saw some crazy stuff happen. Uh, I transported a gentleman one time who had a plexiglass, a 500-pound sheet of plexiglass fall on his hand. He was working at this factory where they they manufactured this stuff, and uh, it was on a cart, and the cart tipped over and he tried to stop it from hitting the floor. And he wasn't able to hold it up, of course. It smashed his hand and filleted his fingers, just cut them wide open, busted the skin. And so we arrived at the hospital where he was transported to. And they had his hand wrapped up, just basically mummified. They just wrapped a bunch of gauze bandages around it. And we were transferring him to another hospital where they were gonna do surgery. he was in a lot of pain when we got there. So we got him in the ambulance, and uh, I'm transporting him to the other hospital. And I'm looking at his medical history, and I see that he takes, uh, he was taking Vicodin and Soma. So I know, I, I don't really operate a lot in words of knowledge, but I, I know that just from history, people who take Soma and Vicodin often uh, they take those two medications because they have chronic back pain. So I asked him, I said, um, just out of curiosity, you don't have chronic back pain, do you? He goes, yeah. He goes, I've got a herniated disc. Uh, my doctor wants me to have surgery, but I really don't want to have the surgery, so I'm just kind of, you know, toughing it out. And I asked him, I said, now, here's where at that point I was always looking at people in terms of, If they have something, if they have multiple things that need healing, I would go for the easiest one. And from my perspective, it's much easier to heal someone who just has a herniated disc or a torn meniscus in their knee or a blown out ankle. Some kind of orthopedic injury for me, really super easy to get healed. Smashed fingers, not so much. I had never seen anybody with smashed fingers get healed before. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'm going to go for the easy uh, healing. So and I I had um, I had been commanding just, you know, put my hand near their back, command the pain to leave, command discs and nerves to be healed. That had been kind of my standard approach. But I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted me to try something different this time. So um, I didn't command anything. I didn't actually pray at all. I said, okay, I'd like to try something with you. I said, wiggle around and tell me how much pain you're in right now. So he was uh, in three out of 10 pain in his lower back. So I started telling him testimonies of people that I'd seen healed in the ambulance. And I told him one testimony after another testimony after another testimony. And then I said, how's your back doing? He His eyes got as big as saucers. He goes, dude, you are freaking me out. He goes, I don't have any back pain at all. Oh wow! I said, wiggle around, move around, just make sure you're not having any pain. He was moving, wiggling. He goes, no, dude. He goes, I'm, I'm not even joking. I don't have any pain at all. So I said, well, you just got healed by a Jewish carpenter who died 2,000 years ago. Uh, now let's go after your hand. So I started praying over his fingers and commanding the pain to leave, commanding uh, the soft tissue to be healed and the skin healed and the bones healed. At the time I started praying with him, the pain was about a 9 out of 10. After about four, uh, just commanding the pain to leave and commanding everything to be healed, the fourth time, he had no pain at all. It's completely gone. So, yeah, I've seen some really interesting stuff uh, in the ambulance. Um, of the probably, gosh, three or 4,000 people, maybe 5,000 people I've prayed for in the ambulance, mm-hmm. Uh I've probably, I, I think I can remember three people who said no, of the thousands of people I've asked. Wow. You, you, people really, are, you, I've even had atheists, and I've had Buddhists, and I've had other people say, you know, I don't really believe in healing, or I don't believe in God, but if you think you can get me healed, go for it. Uh, because when you're in an ambulance, you're usually in a situation where you're hurting, and you're in a bad situation, and you know it, and you will try anything, if it'll, make your situation better so I've almost never do I hear anyone re- refuse prayer in the, in the ambulance
1: that, that's that's awesome I, I'm going back to how the Holy Spirit prompted you to just tell stories yeah this is the thing <laughs> the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and you know what? What I see happening there is that by hearing the testimony, the man's <laughs> faith, faith essentially, exactly, was the exactly. reason he received healing. Well, but, think about this.
2: Okay, uh-huh. and this is this is the specific scripture and the and the incident that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind that day, uh, and and I teach on this quite a bit uh, when I teach on healing, so. When uh, the woman with the flow of blood reached out and grabbed the hem of Jesus garment and was healed, who was in the audience? Jairus. Okay. So Jairus is in the audience and he has been told that his daughter is, he knows his daughter is sick, very sick. And as the woman with the flow of blood is being healed, and Jesus asked her, said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, well, what do you mean? Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. He goes, I felt power go out. Who was it? And then he asked this woman to tell her story. Well, he had her testify in front of Jairus. Jairus is looking at Jesus, and Jesus looks at Jairus. And he's like, okay, so now you heard the testimony. And Jairus goes to Jesus and says, hey, I have a daughter who needs healing. Then the friend comes and tells Jairus, don't bother, she's dead. So now Jesus turns to Jairus and says, do not fear, only believe and she will be made well. He had the power of the testimony sitting in front of him and he had a choice either live in unbelief or live in faith and if you have faith your daughter's going to be healed and raised from the dead uh there is such power in the testimony that i seldom do i pray for anyone for healing without telling them a couple of testimonies first because it's not that the person has to have faith to be healed uh god can heal atheists He can heal anyone. They don't have to believe in him. They don't have to have faith. But I think it helps. Uh, It it helps. If it doesn't help them, it certainly helps me to rehearse a couple of testimonies of people who have been healed. Because it does impart faith many times to the person who needs healing. And it jacks up my faith when I tell some crazy story about a person who the Holy Spirit healed in a really interesting way. If it even if it doesn't help their faith it helps mine
1: that's awesome that is awesome um, at this point I want to branch off a little bit because I need to come back to something that you brought up we were going to talk about portals or did we already we, oh. <laughs> No, you know what? <laughs> then there's that one too, because like it got started, we just had a few sentences and then I just rudely interrupted myself and asked you a question. So um yeah. <laughs> portals. Yeah, so okay. Um what I was what I was saying though is that there's all kinds of portals in the Bible. I think we're just gonna have to have you back at some point soon. I, I think that's what's I would happen I right.
2: would love to have another conversation because there's so many different things we could talk about.
1: We really need to. We really need to do that. And so, with the portal thing, there's so many different kinds of portals in the Bible. And you're really talking about how to bridge realms. And so, you know, and you see different kinds of manifestations surrounding portals sometimes. Very interesting. Um, I see a very interesting scenario crop up with Abraham. Abraham where God told Abraham to cut these animals in half, except in the birds. He had to line them up, and he was going to basically go into that covenant with God. But then a heavy sleep falls on Abraham. It says, a horror of great darkness shows up, and then there's God. And he walks through and creates the covenant without Abraham's help. That, Abraham, you are not implicated in this covenant. There's nothing you can do that's going to ruin this. I'm doing it by myself. So the Abrahamic covenant is uh, it, it's un- immovable. There's nothing that unless God defaults. And um, the, the the interesting thing though about that covenant is that the horror great darkness shows up before God does. And it's like what is that? And I pondered that many times. And then I got into um. well, one, the book of Ezekiel, and two, when God showed up on Mount Sinai. And like when God showed up on Mount Sinai for the Israelites, there was this huge dark cloud surrounding the mountain. And it's like, well, why was that there? And then there was lightnings in the mountain coming out of it and all that. And the people were so scared they didn't want to go up. So they sent Moses. They say, you go for us. And God said, I will speak to you out of the thick darkness. And so it's like, wait a minute. On Mount Sinai, what God did, essentially, he opened a portal, a doorway to manifest so that he could introduce himself to Israel. And Moses
2: went up there for 40 days, drinking no water and eating no food. Yeah, he, he was, was sustained divine. supernaturally. And if I'm not mistaken, weren't there others who went up with him? And they were also supernaturally sustained without food or water. They were living in another dimension, I think.
1: I agree. Um, so when um So what I see there is that there there's like portal activity you see on Mount Sinai, I think the cloud, the the, 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 the um the horror of great darkness that showed up when Abraham was doing a sacrifice was actually a cloud manifesting as a result of a portal that God opened up in order to step into earth time space and create that covenant.
2: So there was a manifestation of a cloud around the portal.
1: And in the book of Ezekiel in the beginning, you see that there is this cloud and then, and then there's this um, basically It's this fire kind of cloud thing engulfing itself. And the next thing you see are these living creatures that come in. Right. I think that was a portal.
2: Right. Uh, Jacob's ladder. The angels of God ascending and descending. Definitely a portal. Definitely a portal. The transfiguration. (sighs) Obviously. Obviously a portal because, I mean, here's Jesus with the three on the mountain and then bam he's glorified and there's like light and cloud and then uh elijah and moses show up and they're talking i think it was i think they were literally looking into a portal into either eternity or some there was some it was definitely a portal from what i under, understand of that particular situation
1: absolutely i did I mean? Did you already read my book?
2: I'm just kidding. No, no, no. He, I, I didn't. You wrote but I'm your going own.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Both um, uh, my my guest, which I might be his guest, I still haven't figured that out yet. Has written eight books, and his website is prayingmedic.com. and you can check all the stuff out there, as well as blogs and podcasts. Um, there's another one that's really significant, actually two, and they involve fire. Fire is a huge portal. It's very interesting that so many rituals um, occur around a bonfire. Okay. I mean, even uh, like voodoo rituals, beat the drums, light the fire, uh, different kinds of, uh, you know, African rich doctors do their things. They, they, They build the bonfire. In the book of Judges there's an angel that appears to prophesy Samson's birth. First, he meets Manoah's wife, Samson's father, and then um, he he goes away. And then Manoah prays that the the messenger, who he thinks is a man, would come back and talk to him. So then it comes back and then he talks to both the wife and the husband. And they want to have a meal with the man, quote unquote, who, who has a physical body. This. who
2: then lights a fire and right. bakes a cake
1: well the, the the bible says that once they had the food, it, like the angel does wondrously it, it says he steps into the fire and ascends to heaven right what but he's wearing is that all about he's wearing a physical body as he steps into the fire and then pff, gone right and then they know he's an angel and they i mean i'm sure they spazzed out but fire Functions as, how about Nebuchadnezzar's oven? (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They put him in the fire, and who shows up? The fourth man in the fire. The the fire is activated as a portal by the spirit realm under certain circumstances. So
2: do you think that when, um, like, uh, let's say witches and warlocks are having their rituals and they light a fire are they opening a portal for dark spirits to come through?
1: I think that dark spirits can use the fire under certain circumstances. I I don't think that roasting marshmallows around a campfire, like, you know, because I don't want people to be paranoid here. Um, But if you're sitting there reading incantations and offering blood sacrifice around a fire, you're probably going to achieve something.
2: you, You may open a portal... Maybe, well, and here's the thing. Uh, I have personal experience. The Holy Spirit said, why don't you speak a portal into existence? Mm, mm, mm. And I had, that was not on my radar. Up until that day, um, I will say something else. So at the same time, when I was up in Tacoma at the gathering, uh, my wife and I were talking to some friends who are studying these subjects. And uh, they were curious to know what what my wife Denise does at the gatherings and my wife said I don't really know what I do Uh, all these other people they teach and they some other guys do healing and some other people do deliverance and she says I don't even really know what my role is in all of this and the Holy Spirit at that time as she was saying this said she opens portals and I was like what and he goes what do you think she does when she's praying in tongues while you're doing your message. And I was like, oh my gosh. So when I'm doing ministry, when I'm praying for somebody or when I'm uh, when we're doing worship or when I'm teaching, if my wife is doing anything, she's praying in tongues. She whenever I pray for someone to be healed, my wife does not pray in English ever. She always prays in tongues. It doesn't matter where we are we can be in bed praying we can be uh, uh, on us at a restaurant praying for someone to be healed my wife her instinctive language now is tongues she's always praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit said when she prays in tongues she's opening portals for angels to come through for revelation to come through for signs and wonders to come through that is what she's doing
1: now the Bible says he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries. But speaks
2: into existence mysteries, probably.
1: <laughs> the thing is, the mystery or the Greek word mustieron means that which is hidden now being revealed. Right. You know, here's an interesting passage. John 151. It says, And he said to him, Verily, verily I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending. Upon the son son of man, man. Jesus was a walking gate, get portal, portal ladder to heaven.
2: Well, my friend Craig Adams said this. He said, look, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in you. And if Jesus was a portal, a walking, talking portal, for the kingdom <laughs> and he is our forerunner our brother the firstborn among many brethren I believe that we are also portals of the kingdom as what what is happening when you and I pray for someone to be healed the power of heaven is coming through us into the physical realm, into someone's body, and it is healing their condition. Uh, When we prophesy over someone, the revelation from heaven, from their scroll of destiny, is coming from there, through us, into them, and it is creating a change in their spiritual DNA. It is renewing their mind to what God wants them to understand. I I believe in a sense we're all walking, talking portals of the kingdom and stuff comes through us all the time. Uh, a portal really is nothing more than an opening, a doorway from one realm to another.
1: Now, I thought you said you didn't kn- know that much about portals, but I'm like listening to you talk, I'm like,
2: wow! Well, like I said, I qualified, I said, what I know about portals, most of which I've learned from other people. Oh, man. And that that was a revelation from craig that really got me thinking this is
1: the thing though the bible calls the body of christ okay first of all body of christ jesus um the temple of god and temple is used in both a corporate reference to the ecclesia church and a singular reference to the individual believer. Um, Jesus Christ also called himself the temple when he said, I will rebuild this temple or raise it up in three days. But what was the temple? It was God's meeting place with earth. It was where The divine presence manifested above the mercy seat. Right. Where atonement was made for sins once a year, the sprinkling of goats and calves. The the first time that they made a sacrifice in the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8, the cloud was so profound, it pushed all the priests out of the temple they couldn't minister. You want to talk about a portal? The temple was a portal. That's what it was. So if the temple was a portal and now the church corporately and singularly is the temple of God in the new covenant, what does that make us?
2: We are the meeting place. We Uh, are the place where the glory of God is manifest in the earth.
0: It's amazing.
2: And if you have been doing this for a while, you know, you can just show up someplace. And there will be a little cloud of glory around you And people will (laughs) sense it (laughs) And it's just like what happened in the temple People are falling down And people are, you know The the glory, when it shows up Just does things to people
1: It's it's amazing Um, It is
2: amazing Brother,
1: wow Well, we're going to have to have you back uh, probably soon. I'm than later. looking
2: forward to coming back. I want to listen to some more of your podcasts and read your, uh, especially your book on portals, and then we'll have some more enlightened discussions.
1: Oh my goodness, folks! Um, I, I'm I'm talking with the, the praying medic. His testimony uh, speaks for itself. You could check him out at prayingmedic.com. He has a lot of material, when way more books than I have. And um, you can learn about his adventures in the spirit, which is something we didn't even really get to. We'll have to talk about it next time. You said traversing the spirit. And, you know, there's an occult way to do it. And then there's what God does with his children, which is much different, but the genuine side of the counterfeit, in my opinion. Um, you know, we we he has books on... Um, even financial collapse. Wow. Yes, I I write on a lot
2: of different subjects. Uh, I, I'm interested in a lot of different things.
1: I can tell. Folks, prayingmedic.com. That that that's where you can find them. And um, you know, and until... for my and for my
2: listeners, Daniel Duvall's podcast uh, is on Podomatic at discoveringthetruth.podomatic.com. You can get his uh, podcast on iTunes. You ha- you're also on Blog Talk Radio. Yep. Uh,
1: we, 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 you know, people can find everything at bridemovement.com or thefireplacechurch.org.
2: And I'll put links to those in the podcast notes.
1: Thank you, brother. Yeah, I need to get a hold of some of your books too, man. And I'll have to be listening to a few of your podcasts as well, brother. You are just uh full... Well, would you do me a favor? Uh-huh.
2: Okay, the next book I'm writing is going to be Traveling in the Spirit Made Simple. Oh, wow. Uh, How about if I send you the manuscript as draft when I get it completed, and you can review it and give me some feedback on it before we publish?
1: No problem.
2: And that way you get to have a little sneak preview of the book. (laughs) 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 I'm actually working with a couple other people. Uh, Michael Van Vlyman... Uh-huh. Uh, buddy of mine, you should have him on the podcast too. Michael uh, and I both wrote books on seeing in the spirit. Um, his is, the book is How to See in the Spirit. And uh, he is also writing a book on traveling in the spirit. He calls it uh, Translation by Faith. I think my book will be out a little bit before his, but he, he and I are, are sharing notes, and he's going to let me review his manuscript before he publishes, and I'm going to review his uh we're going to look at each other's manuscripts before we publish um, because there just aren't a lot of, there just aren't a lot of books out there on that subject of traveling in the spirit. And uh, I am very interested in checking out your book on on portals. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot from it. Yeah. Uh, we, we're the, the subjects that we're talking about here are the cutting edge, I think of what the Lord is doing in these days. He has some really cool things he wants to do with his bride, but we are a little behind the curve on, uh, how he wants us to accomplish those things. And the books that we're all writing are going to help train and equip the saints to do that stuff.
1: I believe that. I, I, I believe that. And, um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be shipping you a free copy of of my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm, um, later on. So you can look forward to that. I'll get your address after we close the program. So, folks, man, um, again, our guest, Pray Medic, it, it's just been such a pleasure to be on a conversation with you. I'll tell you what, for those of you that are listening to my podcast, <laughs> this has been Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. God bless and God speed.
0: Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook, And follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.